All right. Thank you, Lord. How are you guys doing? I love it when we clap and when we cheer at church. We're not doing it for like the worship band. That would be kind of creepy. We're doing it for the Lord. You know, you go to like a Flames game and nobody cares about hockey in Canada. <laughs> I'm an English soccer fan, but we, we applaud the Lord because he has done all things well. And the things that aren't working, God is working on those things in our lives. And, and I think it's important to remember, let God do the heavy lifting. Uh, there's the things that he wants you to do, but um, let God do the heavy lifting. Hey, I, we're in our series called Perfect Family, which is hugely sarcastic. If sarcasm is not your thing, <laughs> we're not the right church, uh, maybe for you. Um, but what we're doing is, you know, you have to be able to, I think, to laugh, to learn sometimes. And sometimes we take ourselves so seriously. Um, I'm doing a sermon today called How to Stay Married, if that interests anybody. If you're not married, if you're in between, I don't know where you're at right now, but how to stay married. You know, getting married is super easy. You know, I know that everybody who gets married is like, oh, all the buildup, all the buildup, it was such a big day. We made it, this is the hard part. <laughs> and everybody's parents are like, what now? Uh, <laughs> I do a thousand times, yes, I do. I'm the happiest girl in the world. Am I doing it? Am I doing it okay? I'm the happiest girl in the world. <laughs> Dad, you don't understand. I love him. And he's like, well, I don't mind him, but do you, do you have a job yet? Or <laughs> We have a favorite song. <laughs> yeah, but you need like a speaker. And if it gets repossessed because he's still unemployed, then you can't hear the favorite song on the speaker, right? So love is practical. Let's break it down a little bit today. I think love is a skill more than we'd like to think that it is. Um, my wife says to me this morning as we're getting ready for church, she's like, you're preaching about marriage. And we didn't even have a fight this week. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe we should just. <laughs> I don't mind a good fight. Aaron and marriage fights used to roll over and go to sleep, which is super depressing when you're in the middle of a marriage fight and she's out. I'm like. Don't you go to sleep before I'm finished fighting. Um, there's nothing better than a great marriage. And, uh, and whether, I don't know what your circumstance is, but you want your kids to have great marriages too. And there's nothing better in the world than a great marriage that's based in Christ. and based That is how God uh, moves uh, so much in the world is through family. And I want to say to you, if you're lonely at this time, especially with what's going on in the world right now, church family, man. Free friends, small groups. There are brothers and sisters uh, here that want to love you and brothers and sisters in the faith and, and spiritual mom, moms and dads if you didn't have a great mom or dad and you just need that man we got all of that on the house of God it's the only place where all the needs of a human can be met is the house of God that's it it's the only place where everything comes together and it's not perfect because you're here and I'm your pastor but it's family and family goes so much deeper than perfect um, today's sermon, I'm going to be preaching about marriage. Can I just give you just a little bit, uh, just a little um, help in how to think about it? Now, now, don't think of me when I'm preaching this. This is particularly to the gals. I live with five of you. I'm starting to understand. Don't look at me like I'm somebody's husband preaching this to you. Um, there's a weird competitiveness in marriage that doesn't need to be there. God is looking at you as his son or his daughter and being like, where, why, why are we struggling here? Uh, everybody's special and everybody's powerful because Jesus resurrected, beats hell, 
Am I missing something? Relax a little bit. But this will help too. I had some of the ladies on, my, um, on the dream team last night when we come to set up. And they're like, you need to say that thing that you said last night. And so some of the, the wives came and they talked to me and I received their instruction. They said, say that thing about the brother. That will help us think about it. And uh, rather than I'm somebody's husband trying to tell you that you're the problem in your marriage, it has nothing to do with that. Think of me like a son of God who God has given me something for you. And I'm like an older brother to you or a younger brother. Or if you're older than I am, maybe I'm like a son. You know, if I'm talking to my mom, I don't want anything from her. I'm just like... I'm trying to bless her. I'm just trying to, but think of it like that, like an older brother who's got your back, who wants the best thing for you and the best marriage for you. Just relax a little bit about that. Like this is not, you know, me. Some people, they feel sorry for Erin because her gift in the world is that people feel sorry for her. She's just so good at that. Nobody feels sorry for me ever. <laughs> Somebody came after the first service, like, I'm sorry that all his stories are about you. And she's like, oh, we talk about this ahead of time. So I think they're funny. Ah, that's power, you know, because I'm always making fun of myself too. And look, we're just going to be honest about our marriage uh, today. Are we allowed to do that in church? Um, I'm going to share five marriage syndromes that will cause a breakup if you don't deal with them. Uh, before we even get into the scripture, then we're going to go back to the Garden of Eden to see where it all started. And, and you need to loosen up on the inside and receive the word of the Lord um, and receive it with joy. Because, because what I'm going to share today, I can just about guarantee that you've never thought about it before and you don't even know what it is underneath that that caused the marriage conflict and marriage to break apart i don't even think that we know what it is because i didn't know what it was until the lord showed it to me and i'm like that would explain everything you know and so just open your spirits up as, as we move into the sermon here today thanks sean have you ever backed a trailer up into a camping spot with your spouse sean have you does it work for you guys no <laughs> Now, I don't know which, uh, I don't know if the guy or the girl in your family is, you know, the brother or sister in Christ. I don't know which one is better at backing trailers up, but, but in our home, it happened to be me because I come from industry. And so the first time we're backing a trailer up, I'm thinking to myself, after this whole experience, I'm like, it would take a miracle to stay married for any length of time. <laughs> because, because um, I'm like, it's, we, okay, first of all, let me set it up. We get there and it's Friday night and it's raining and we left like two hours late. And I just wanted to sit around a campfire. I'm like, but, and, and the sun's going down and here we got to set up, you know? So I'm like, okay, Aaron, back me up. And so, so um, if you don't know my personality type, that was the training session. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, you want to get out and back me up? That's it. That's what she got. So I didn't like, I don't know why. I, I just, I just kind of assume that people know what to do. And if I just, you know, like push them, <laughs> you know, like, hey, you, you'll get it. Uh, that doesn't help. I should have explained what I actually wanted in, in backing trailer. But she'd never done it before. And so if you've never done anything before, like you don't know, and then your husband just doesn't, you know, get it. And so I'm like, just back me up. And so she comes back there and she doesn't know the hand actions or anything. And so I come from like an industry where it's like mostly grunting and yelling stuff. Right. And so if you can't interpret that, good luck living with a man, because that's all we got sometimes. And so I'm just like, so I just start backing up and she's back there and she's like, uh, and then it's like, but then she, in crisis, and this was already a, a marriage crisis, uh, she doesn't do the best sometimes. And, and she starts like, and then like, <laughs> and, and, and look, there's nine normals in the world, nine Enneagram types, if you're into the, that personality test. And, and my normal is just my normal in a normal way of seeing the world. There's nine other types too, or eight other types too. And so I'm not saying that my way is right. I'm just saying it's just my way. And sometimes it doesn't work. My way is the fast way. So it might work or it might not work, but it's fast. Can I hear an amen? All right, help me out here. So Aaron's like, 
And then she, I feel like she, she didn't understand. I don't know why I didn't just tell her, like, just point where you want it to go. Just point which direction you want it to go, because that's how you back a trailer. And she starts trying to figure out which way the wheel is supposed to turn. And she starts doing, like, and then, I'm like, but you've never backed one up, so I don't know that you know which way it needs to turn. And she's doing all this stuff, and then she disappears behind the trailer and keeps giving directions. And I'm thinking, like, do I keep going? Because I kind of want to right now. No, I'm like, no, no, I did the right thing. I didn't stop. I'm like, hey. And she comes out, and she's like, well, how come you're not moving? I'm like, I can't see you. <laughs> like, if you can't see the mirror, like, I can't see you. And so, you know, granted, I did zero training hours, and I'm an idiot. But anyways, I realized early on, we didn't work together that well. We just didn't know how to work together. We didn't know how to talk to each other. She comes from a home that, that, is, that is different than my home, very different than the home that I grew up in. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I used to be so naive. It's just my person. I'm just so, so naive that I thought if you just worked hard and loved Jesus, that it would sort of work out. I didn't know what it's like to love and hate somebody at the same time by what you do. I just didn't know, you know. And so, so we all enter with this naivety with the, the, our, our mindsets and the way things are. And, and, you know, the rest of that campsite I set up dragging because I didn't have a ladder. I, and, and the trees were all like situated by the devil so that I couldn't get a tarp strap over anything. And, I'm, and it's Friday night and I'm dragging a picnic table around. You know those heavy camping ones so that you can't steal them? And I'm dragging them around from tree to tree trying to hang a tarp. And finally I just told Erin because Erin is so helpful but she's always like... She doesn't, can't read my mind, which is not, you know, she ought to be able to. She's always like, I can't read your mind. I'm like, we've been married a long time now. Like, you ought to be able to. And so, so I turn around. She's very helpfully standing right there in the hash marks, you know, just like, boom. And then I'm like, finally, I'm just like, just go sit in the truck and I'll do it. Just, I'll stay out in the rain and it's fine. And I'll just do it. You know what? We, we spent most of our marriage just with that. Just fine. If you don't want to do it, I'll just do it. And, you know, I mean, uh, am I painting myself? I'm just telling you, just being honest about how, how, how eventually how bad it got and, and how it didn't actually work. There are, we took a test one time, like 15 years into the marriage, to find the statistical predictors of an early divorce based on watching somebody fight, you know, watching a couple fight. We had six out of seven, everybody. I had one, Aaron had five. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, right from the get-go, it was like hard slugging. We were swimming up, upstream. Anybody feel like that? Like, it, it's not working, or maybe it didn't work out, and... and you're going to see in the sermon today what we learned in those times. Now, you can learn it from our experience, or you can try to experience it yourself. I'm telling you the five things I'm going to teach you before we get into the scripture, and then the kicker at the end. I'm telling you, I don't think you'll make it through there unless you listen to God try to teach you and to save you a whole lifetime of pain. But it's totally up to you. You get to do whatever you want to do. I can't make you do something. Um, we're just, we're different people. Aaron and I. So she's a peacemaker. The reason that all of you feel sorry for her all the time is because she has a way with people. She has an anointing with people. Nobody feels sorry for Pastor Corey, but everybody loves Pastor Aaron, and she uses that. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. It's just, you can tell. I'm very direct. I'm very simple. I'm not complicated. Um, I'm a protector, and I'm a challenger, and so, but the devil found a way to use that against me. And to use that against my wife is that I try to protect things. And oftentimes I try to do too much and I, I, I don't release enough, you know. And then I married a girl who's a peacemaker. And they say that the nines in the Enneagram are, they're, they're so good at seeing the world from every other point of view except the nine on the Enneagram. And I married a girl that I thought, I mean, she's incredibly smart. And I thought she'll be kind of like my mom because my mom definitely spoke her mind whenever she wanted to. She definitely told me what she thought of me all the time. 
And I thought, okay, so I'm going to marry somebody who's very smart who will do the same thing. But Erin, because her parents divorced early and her home was broken and she, it wasn't uh, the health that I came from, I think. And so she didn't, we didn't work through issues, you know, and I'm going to show you some of the syndromes that we got into. And so I thought that she would speak her mind, but she wouldn't. And then stuff would start to like, you know, and I would do things like it took me two years in marriage before I'm like, hey, where do you want to go eat? And she goes, I don't care. And it took me two years. I'm like, no, seriously, where do you want to go eat? It took me two years to realize she doesn't care, <laughs> which works out for me because I always care. <laughs> but what happens is then we, I just start rolling and I'd be like, hey, is anything wrong? You look upset. No. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Gentlemen, right there. <laughs> There's always something wrong. There's always something wrong. I'd just be like, okay, let's move on. You know, and then like four months later, this huge thing comes up and erupts. And Aaron's like, not happy with peacemaking anymore. And I'm like, what, so what's this about? I left the dish on the counter four months ago. You know, I'm like, I just didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And, um, and she's emotionally connected with people and can see the world from everybody else's point of view, but she didn't have her own voice. And so now what I'm working on is like, no, actually speak your mind. And the trouble is when you speak your mind, sometimes it's not right. And sometimes it's not, it's, it's unfiltered. And like, but you know, we're learning these things as we go, but the, the Lord has broken a lot of strongholds loose in our lives that I want to teach you about today. And the, the Lord will use your strengths to trap you. That's right. The Lord will use, or not the Lord. <laughs> the devil. The devil. The devil. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Thank you, Kim. I love you. The devil will use your strengths to trap you. And, and he used my strengths and he used Aaron's strengths to, to trap us. And the Lord had to set us free so that our strengths actually work for the marriage instead of against. Here are five marriage-killing syndromes. I wish that I would have told them to put this on the screen, so that's on me. But just write this down, maybe. The first syndrome that we fell for, that any one of these is enough to, to break a marriage or a family apart. The first one that we fell for seemed right in the Christian world at the time, but it was so wrong. It's this uh, inside-our-own-walls syndrome. Meaning, we can deal with everything and fix all the problems inside our own walls, like inside our home. We don't need to go outside of a home to fix problems inside the home. Now, here's what I would say, like 90 or 95% of problems actually, you actually do have to work on them in your home, you know. But I'm saying that the 5% of icebergs that are the killers cannot be fixed inside your home. I made a huge mistake there. And, and Christianity back then was kind of like that. Like, hey, just go to church. Everything's okay. And then just deal with your own problems until all the problems started coming out later. And you realize like, oh my God, that was going on. And, and, and so if the devil can, can get you isolated in your own home, just as a family, he's got you, you know. Right. And um, you, can, you can make it look like it's working for a while. And it can actually work for a while. But sooner or later, something happens and it can't work anymore. So here are three assumptions with this inside our, our own wall syndrome. Here are three assumptions that you and I make, none of which are true. The first one is this, I am self-aware. You are only aware of what you are aware of. What about all the stuff that you're not aware of? The Bible says you don't know your own heart. You're trying to figure out your spouse's heart. Oh my goodness, you don't even know your own heart, the Bible would say. God does. And so you think that you are self-aware. Here, you think that you are capable enough to deal with your own issues. I'm just talking about your own issues. And then you think that you will always be willing to deal with your own issues. We failed in all of those because A, you're only aware of what you are aware of. Some people are like, I'm just being honest. I'm thinking, no, you're being honest of what you're aware of. But that's not the same thing as the truth. Some people are like angry and they're like, I'm being honest. And I'm like, like I keep getting the wrong answer to the test and I'm being honest. 
No, honesty has to do with the truth, and you're not that self-aware. So what happens when you're not self-aware and you wake up one morning like we did, and we're like, our marriage is done, and it's over, and I was unaware of some of what was going on inside here? Then what? And then you think that you have the ability, the capability as a human, as whatever personality type you are. You're very proud in your own little gift and in your own area, just like I was. And you think that you actually have the capacity to be able to fix yourself, and you don't. You absolutely do not. You will run into it, and you will not. And then what? Because you've just told everybody that you can, and you can't. And then the third thing, the third thing is that I would actually be willing to deal with it. I would actually be willing to deal with my own garbage. Well, the devil will get you into a place where all you can see is the spouse, the mistakes of your spouse, where you will not be willing to deal with your own issues anymore. Because everything you just feel like, and Aaron's not even working on this marriage anymore, I'm just going to stop. And you just quit. Those three things, you know, inside your own walls, you can't do it. The solution is not complicated. It's called small groups. Yeah. Just start building relationship in your church family in small groups where you start like, Getting your marriage issues out. You know, find somebody who you can trust who's a little ahead of you in the journey, not somebody who will agree with you. Oh, my goodness, no. Somebody who will call you and just be like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, we fought, and this is what I said. That's it. If you do that, like your marriage just, the, the chances of it working out just go through the roof. The second syndrome that, that, we, that we had was the green grass syndrome. Like the grass is always greener. And you start getting so unhappy in your relationship that the devil starts suggesting that, that, that you would be, that it's your spouse's issue, you know, the reason you're not happy is her or him. And then he starts pointing you at people that you would be happy with. So this is a huge cop-out because, you know, as soon as you do that, then you're like, well, the problem is my spouse. Therefore, I might be happier with, I see her treat her husband with more respect or, you know, or he treats her with more tenderness. And if I was with him, you don't say, if I was with somebody like him, and then you start creating this, this image of who you're not with right now, first of all, you wouldn't be happy with them because they got problems too. They just don't show them outside of their own home. And so, no, 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 no. And, and you wouldn't make anybody any happier either because you got problems. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with nothing. It's called the, the, the grass is greener syndrome. As soon as temptation, can I say this? As soon as temptation has a name, confess it quickly. Yeah. Like everybody's a little bit tempted. I get that. You know, you got to fight against temp. You got to actually flee temptation and fight against the devil. Don't get those two mixed up. But, but you have to, you, as soon as temptation has a name and you're like, that I would be happier with that person. As soon as that happens, get it out in the open because the devil's got it. And you don't want that to happen. And so I'm just telling you, like, straight up, just tell somebody. Get a friend. Tell somebody, like, it's, and say the name. And so, so that you get that temptation out into the open so that it can't grow in there anymore. So here's the problem with the green grass syndrome. Is that you and I have a weird idea of justice. So sin has consequence. Can you agree with that? Like, if I overspend, I'm going to go broke. And then, okay... And then we come into Christianity and we're like, okay, but I don't have to pay the consequence of my sin anymore. And God's like, oh, but you do. Not all of it, but you do. Meaning you reap what you sow. It's, it's right in the foundation of the earth in the beginning of Genesis. You reap what you sow. Meaning people get pregnant and people go broke. And people who don't exercise and eat bad, come on. And so you still reap what you sow. How does that happen? So meaning if you lie, you'll reap lying at some point in your life. God can forgive it and God can wipe your slate clean, but there's people still paid for that. And sometimes what happens is you're reaping what you've sown because we're all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody's perfect. And you're like, yeah, but God wiped that out. God wiped that out, but you still reap what you sow in this earth a little. So if you lie, why would you think that your child won't lie? Why do you think that you won't reap what you sow? Here's the, here's the trouble though. God can't make you reap sin because God has no sin. 
So when I sin, I come out from under the protection of God, and then I start reaping what I'm sowing. God doesn't want that. He said, hey, don't sin. Then you won't have to reap that, right? And so God can't lie to you because God's not a liar. God can't be unfaithful. God can't betray you. But your family can. Think about it. Don't be so self-righteous that you think that you can't reap what you've sown in your life. Sometimes it's coming through your family, but you still deserve pain and suffering. Don't think that you don't. The world is full of pain and suffering. People are reaping and sowing it all the time. You have to get to this place where you're not as self-righteous and be like, I can't just be like, why is this happening? It's so unjust to me. Yes, you've betrayed Christ too, and so have I. You've hurt people, and so have I. And so if you reap a little of what you sow, have a little bit of humility and say, okay. Um, have you, remember King David? He was a bad father, and so he started reaping what he was sowing, and Absalom actually comes and starts attacking and starts, you guys who know who Absalom was, and he starts a civil war. And he chases uh, David and his guys out of, out of Jerusalem. David's on the run, and Shimea, who is from the house of Saul, whom David took over from, starts throwing rocks and cursing him. And he's got guys in his army who have killed like 300 men at one time. And, like, and one of these guys is like, King, David, can I just go and remove this guy's head? Because his mouth is talking, and I feel like that would stop it. <laughs> and he could. And you know what David says to him? Don't. Maybe God told him to curse me. Just let it, just let it be. Just let it stew. I don't want to be the one to judge this because, you know, I haven't got everything right. The humility and the, the ability just to be able to be like, yeah, okay, okay. Number three, the Band-Aid syndrome. This is what society says. Just say your story and move on. No, that's not enough, actually. First of all, they don't tell you to apologize, right? You actually have to apologize for what you did, why you did it. Quit blaming them. Like, yeah, but you, that's not an apology. An apology is like, this is on me, you know. And so, so when you actually apologize, but you actually have to, guys, here's the thing. Band-Aid syndrome doesn't work. You have to fix what you broke. So think about it like this. If the devil used you to take something out of your marriage, you have to let God use you to put something back in. Meaning, if you just spend an hour Sunday morning before the marriage talk fighting, because you're stubborn and because you're self-righteous and because you got angry too quick, spend an hour and put something back in your marriage. Band-aids, listen, band-aids don't work if you don't fix the problem that's caused, that the band-aid is needed for. Meaning, your behavior cuts that person. And then, because you won't deal with the actual issue, the next morning you wake up and you do it again in the same place, in the same place. And then you keep putting band-aids on, but you don't fix the actual issue. Yeah. You have to allow the Holy Spirit in to fix the actual issue. Yeah. You got to dig down and actually fix the issue. Like, hey, you can't have issues that go on and on and on and on. Marriages can't handle it. You got to actually start fixing the issue. Um... Number four is the unforgiveness syndrome. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. Neither do you. Um, Jesus hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. They're that dumb. They're not self-aware. And they keep telling themselves that they are, and they're not. Unforgiveness syndrome. Listen, can I just help you? Don't flog yourself for your sin. You're not doing God a favor. Just uh, repent and, re and repent to somebody. And then get on with your life. And quit flogging yourself and trying to make yourself do penance or whatever. That doesn't work. And quit flogging your spouse. Do you really want them to hurt for their sin? Here's what unforgiveness does. When I forgive Erin, when she forgives me, we let each other off the hook. I'm like, you don't owe me that anymore. I'm not going to flog you for it. You don't owe me that. I'm going to put you on God's hook. And if he wants to deal with you, then he can. But I'm still asking him for mercy because next thing I got to turn around and ask God for mercy. Right? And so and God forgave you on the cross. Jesus forgave you on the cross. But some of you are not forgiven because you haven't received it yet because you won't forgive. And so it's out there in a bank account, but you can't deposit it because you won't 
Here's, here's, here's what we learned to do. Forgive in the morning before she even messes your day up. Forgive me in the morning before I even mess your day up because it's coming. Just do it ahead of time. Just get out ahead of it and just forget. Well, I, I, don't I have to have something to forgive? No, you can live in forgiveness all the time. I forgive them. I know that the situation is going to bring out the worst in them. I forgive them before we get there. It will set you free. Or you can drink poison and hope that they die, but that's not how poison works. Okay, number five, the secret syndrome. This is the most painful one to deal with and the most painful one to talk about. One secret will eventually bury your marriage. You can't have secrets. You can't have secrets. Somebody needs to know everything about you. Now, here's what happens is that you feel guilty for something that you've done, and then you make a deal with God who's not really God anymore because God never makes deals. God's like, confess your sin, confess your sin. Somebody needs to know everything about you. And then we make one secret, and then secrets start piling up in our lives, and then we, because we're afraid that the other person is going to reject us, and we decide for them that they would reject us if they knew, so we decide for them we're not going to tell them because they're not loving enough to forgive us. Ooh. Why don't you let them decide if they love you or not? You have to. You have to let them decide if they love you or not, but you have to tell them about you. And so don't, listen, there, there are two possibilities for secrets in your marriage, and this is the most painful one for Aaron and I. I remember sitting in a, a message where Pastor Craig Rochelle said this. He said, he said, there are two options for secrets. You can get it out on the open yourself and be restored. There's great grace for it somehow if you volunteer it, or you can wait until it comes out in the open, and then it destroys everything. And I, that day I decided, okay, I have a secret. I'm gonna, we're going to get it out in the open. I did that, you know. But I will say this. If you wait until it's dragged out into the open, that other person physically won't be able to handle it when the secrets come out. And everyone has to get dragged out of you. I'm telling you, marriages don't make it through that. People, are, people just, they can't. So, so would you just join me today and be like, I don't want to live a life of secrets anymore. Like, go through Freedom Group. Some of you have been putting it off. I don't know why you've been putting it off because you're scared somebody might find out your secrets. If you knew some of our secrets you'd be pretty okay. You'd be like, oh, these people are messed up. I like this church. You know, just relax a little bit. Like, look, God forgave you. God forgave me. I don't even have the option as a Christ follower not to forgive you. So I'll forgive you. We'll get on with it. We'll move on. We're family, right? We're family. Genesis chapter one. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So right there, God is saying like, hey guys, brothers and sisters, but that's, we fight about the, the male-female thing. And God's like, I don't think God gets it for his sons and daughters. Does he? Does God get it? Why are my sons and daughters fighting each other? Why is there all this competition between them? What? I love each of you. You're both you're son and daughter of God. You can't do what because who? What? I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, relax. Relax. Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Don't ever have a snake in your house. They're evil. The devil is in them. <laughs> Quinn, one time, he used to have those big snakes, and he found a sn the snake in between his bedroom, in, in between his mattresses. What? It got out. Yeah, for reals. <laughs> now that everybody's checking their, under their chairs. <laughs> one day, he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? And this is where we get a little bit complicated, because... Because Eve uh, says, of course, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. She actually says, you must not eat it or even touch it, which God never said. It's recorded earlier that God said, you must not eat it. But he didn't add the touch it part. So I don't know who added the touch it part. I don't know if Eve added that or if Adam added that. But what, what you don't understand is chronologically, God spoke the command about the tree 
not to Eve because Eve wasn't even made yet, to Adam. And so this is where the, the struggle starts in is that it was apparently Adam's job to tell Eve about what God said. Now keep in mind, God will speak something to your spouse for you sometimes. Let them communicate it to you. Come on. God, God speaks to whomever he speaks. And if you want the blessing, you got to go there and get it. And so we find a communication. Something's been wrong. Either Adam didn't communicate it right. Eve didn't hear it right. But now they start adding to God's words. That's very dangerous to do. Um, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Knowing. That means experiencing good and evil. Like you can experience all the evil in marriage if you want to. Or you can just be taught by the word of God so you don't have to. It's totally up to you. This is called the green grass syndrome, meaning she now starts thinking that God is keeping something from her or Adam is. Yeah. Think about that. Like, wait, 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 wait. Devil's like, hey, there's this whole other experience out here that you need. And God's like, no, you don't. You don't need that. Adam had communicated at least something. And she starts thinking, wait, these people are trying to keep something from me. Green grass syndrome. She was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Because she's a girl. Fruit does not look delicious. It looks like fruit. <laughs> if it was like a smoked turkey tree, I'd be living in it. <laughs> That's why Adam didn't eat the fruit first. He's like, no, but it tastes like fruit still, right? <laughs> she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. Now, there's moments when your eyes are opened when you realize that your marriage is over. Or there's moments in a sermon when God can speak to you and open your eyes. And moments when you're reading your Bible and in prayer that God can open your eyes. And you just pick this one. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now we see the Band-Aid syndrome. Now it's like, okay, we're going to deal. And, and now we see the inside our own wall syndrome. Now we're going to deal with this ourselves. We're just going to deal with this ourselves now. Okay, we're going to make fig leaves. We're going to start, get this, adding layers Adding layers between me and her and adding layers between me and God. We're, now we're going to start adding layers to fix our problems. We're going to add layers. I'm not going to get it out in the open. I'm not going to... When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And they normally walked with the Lord, probably between them, if you think about it. Which is the way that God is supposed to be in your marriage. You're not marrying the other person. You're marrying the other person with Christ between you. Well, I can't forgive him for what he did. And Jesus is like... I forgave you for what you did. You don't forgive the other person based on their merit. You base your forgiveness on Christ's merit. Not on, you don't do it because they deserve it. You do it because you don't deserve it. And Christ still forgave you. That's how it works. I'm, I, I have to be the best man that I can in my home. Not because she deserves it, but because, because Christ demands it. And he's the best man. You know what I mean? Just got to think about it like this. He's between us. He's between us. Um, so they hid from the Lord, God among the trees. The, the secret syndrome. They, they hit. Now God has to find them. And if God or your spouse has to find you, you'll lose Eden. If they have to come looking and find you, you'll, you'll lose Eden. Then the Lord God called to the man. I always wonder if, if, if Adam hadn't come or if Eve ha hadn't come and just been like, hey, this is what we did. Yeah. Like I feel naked out here and vulnerable and exposed, but here's what we did. I wonder if it all couldn't have been saved right then. Yeah. But God had to come looking. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, Adam says, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, yes, it's all on me. No, watch what he does. He goes, watch us. It was the woman you gave me. 
who gave me the fruit and I ate it. So, you know, we're not going to start pointing fingers. Whenever I'm losing an argument, you know, I always do this thing where I'm like, hey, what we're not going to do is start saying, like, who was wrong. <laughs> when, I, when I realize, like, oh, my goodness, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> like, hey, Aaron, what we're not going to do is start pointing fingers <laughs> and say that who was wrong. Because it could have been you and it could have been me. <laughs> I'm like, 100% it's me. Like, I know it's me. This is what he does. He actually points the fingers back at God. If you won't come and confess your sins, you'll actually get mad at God because of what your spouse made you do. Guys, you're supposed to make you look at that thing because she won't satisfy you. Come on. Take, just take the blame for it. It's on you. It's not on her. Come on. The unforgiveness syndrome. He hadn't forgiven Eve. It was chic. I want her to pay for it, God. He just hadn't forgiven her. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Here's what I want to say. Yeah, but she also hid behind Adam. Listen, girls, you are daughters of God. Don't hide behind Adam if you need to confess sin. If some righteousness needs to happen in your home, step out. Meet the Lord in the garden. Come on, daughters of heaven. Meet the Lord. Don't be sitting behind your husband if he doesn't want to follow. Get out there and do it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, and he starts bringing the curse down to the serpent. Now what we're going to do is get this really tricky part here. But the women need to remember that I'm your brother. Because the curse on men is actually three times longer. And I know that it makes you feel better in your pain if somebody else has more pain, but that's kind of poor. Why don't we try to help each other with the curse? Why don't you try to help each other bear the burden instead of just pointing fingers? And, and he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. It wasn't always like this. But in pain you will give birth and get this and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now keep in mind... This insecurity, girls, has got to go because you are daughters of the living God. I look at my daughters and I'm like, what in this world can stop you? You forget who your father is in heaven? Nothing can stop you from your destiny. Nothing can. Oh, and to the man, he said, this is where the guys get super depressed. When I was 18 years old, I had this thought. Uh, I could be doing this job every day for the rest of my life, and it's awful. He said to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, he's like, guys, you were supposed to listen to me first. Come on, guys. You, this is what, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. The whole earth. Thank you, Adam. He said, every guy who's got to go up, get to work in the morning. Thank you, Adam. And all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return. Listen to how depressing this is. Now, please try to see this from the point of view of your brother or sister. Listen. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return no matter how hard you try. Can I... Can I show you a little something that you don't know is there, but I'm just going to show you is there underneath why marriages break apart. Can I show you? Am I allowed to? As soon as the Holy Spirit showed me this, it just clicked into my mind that every marriage struggle that I had had to do with this one thing, and I didn't even know it. And for men, I would say it's this dust to dust. Think about that. We spend our entire lives just trying to get an inch above the dust of the earth. This is our struggle. 
significance. I just want to feel like I matter. I just want to feel different than I just want to be somebody that people look to. I just want my life to matter. We spend 30, 40, 80, 90 years. And if we, and we never find it because then we get married and then this is what we do, guys. This is our marriage problems is that we try to find significance. We try to find significance in our spouse and in our children and they can't give it to you. And we make them carry these rocks around and be like, make me feel special. And they can't. That's not what God created them for. Girls, Eve, it says, and you will try to control your husband but he will rule. God's like, I made him to be responsible. And you're going to spend your whole life trying to struggle and, and tear that control away for safety and security, but you'll never find it outside of Christ. You will try to create your own safety and security by trying to control. And God's like, if you would just give up control, I'm your father in heaven. I'll take care of you. And if you just give up control, I'll take care of it. And we're just like, we just like struggle our whole lives. And we're just like, yeah. And we just get into this whole power gender struggle thing. And God's like, do you really want to be in charge? Because it's real hard out there and ah, come on. Only, only immature leaders want to be in charge of everything. It's not, it's responsible. It's hard. Moms, you know how hard it is to lead those kids. Come on. God's like, if you would just give up control, I can make you safe and secure, but I'm the only one who can. Listen, man, you want to find significance. You can't find it in them. The only thing that is, that a man will find significance in, listen, is the only thing that ever lifted up above the dust of the earth. And that was a cross planted in it. Where Jesus is like, Jesus is like, I'm the significant one. And if you attach yourself to me, you will find significance, but only here. And you will find significance, men, not on the resurrection. You will find it on a cross. You will find it by sacrificing and giving away your life and by pouring out and serving and not ruling, but by serving and being the servant of all men. Come on. You will find your significance hanging on a cross when your family needs you to protect them hanging on a cross and giving away your life and you will find significance. <laughs> Heavenly Father, right now we just come in Jesus' name and we give up control and we give up significance, Father. And we're sorry for making our families hold these rocks for us. I pray, Father, that we would start moving into the roles that you have designed us for, but we would start finding our significance in family, not in each other, but in Christ. And I pray, Father, you would just set something right. Just, I pray you'd save the day. Honestly, we need the salvation of the Lord our God, and we've been trying to do it in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places, God. And I pray in Jesus' name, wherever this lands for us, that we would teach our children, no, 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 give up control, heaven's got it. That's where security is. Give up significance, because heaven's got it. That's where, that's where you'll find it. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that we would learn sacrifice, Father, and we would learn how to serve each other and our families and to serve Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.